Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at on this episode of the OFNT podcast, I have some tech news and a little podcast news. A couple of wacky stories from the world of entertainment. And I even have some tech I'm using. Also, part two of So You Want to Be a Podcaster. Heck, I even throw in a ghost story. Maestro. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the OFNT Podcast. OFNT stands for Old Fart, New Tech. I'm your host and resident old fart, Jim Schaefer. And the new tech, at least to me, is this podcast. I hope you are doing well and having a great week. I also hope this finds you virus-free. Politics. Well, it seems that after some major bickering, the so-called coronavirus stimulus bill has passed. I really don't know how to feel about this. I know people need help, but the bailout of the industries has me, let's say, concerned. I see taxes going up for everyone. I guess time will tell. Let's start off with some tech news. Reuters. U.S. prepares crackdown on Huawei's global chip supply sources. Senior officials in the Trump administration agreed to new measures to restrict the global supply of chips to China's Huawei Technologies, sources familiar with the matter said, as the White House ramps up criticism of China over coronavirus. The move comes as ties between Washington and Beijing become more strained, with both sides trading barbs over who is to blame for the spread of the disease, 
and then escalating tit-for-tat over the expulsion of journalists from both countries. Under the proposed rule change, foreign companies that use U.S. chip-making equipment would be required to obtain a U.S. license before supplying certain chips to Huawei. The Chinese telecoms company was blacklisted last year, limiting the company's suppliers. I reported that this administration was considering taking this action in a previous episode. You want to play dirty? You should expect a response. This would forbid Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, commonly known as TMC, from fabricating chips sourced from Huawei, such as their own high-silicon chips. Well, a problem I have with this article is the tit-for-tat expulsion of journalists part. Unless something has changed, the U.S. did not expel any Chinese journalists. They were made to register as agents of a foreign power, which, in fact, they are. There is no free press in China, so their journalists must toe the Communist Party line. Our journalists, based in China, must do the same, though. Some should be considered agents of Communist China and not this country. Remember, money talks, and... I'm sure you know the rest. The article quotes some lawyer saying, this will hurt the U.S. more than China because Huawei will develop or steal their own supply chain. I inserted the word steal. Yeah, yeah, we've heard that all before. I wonder how much that lawyer has been paid by Chinese lobbyists. All this will do is to make it more difficult for the Chinese planned domination of networking and thus information control over the world. Good move. And about time. From 9 to 5 Mac, Apple supplier Wistron to have 50% of production outside China by 2021. With the coronavirus outbreak having highlighted the risks of having too much production capacity in one country, iPhone assembler Wistron has announced 50% of production outside China by 2021. This includes a $46 million investment in a Texas plant. I'm sad that it took a major pandemic to get companies to diversify their manufacturing base but I'm glad that they are realizing it. Good news. Continuing with Mac rumors, they're reporting that Apple is offering 90-day free trials for Final Cut Pro and Logic Pro X, which is 10, I guess. Normally, Final Cut Pro has a 30-day trial and Logic Pro 10 had no trial period. I might try Logic Pro 10 for my podcast production. We'll see. Snowden warns government surveillance amid COVID-19 could be long-lasting, reads the headline from CNET. No shit, Sherlock. Hey, isn't your 15 minutes about up? I find this next one interesting. 
From the DailyDot.com Terrifying cell phone heat map shows just how much people are still traveling. A heat map highlighting cell phone location data within the USA is providing a frightening insight into the movement of humans amid the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. To sum up the article, and to prove what I've been saying on my Corona Update episodes, people just can't stay the hell home. They need constant entertainment and outside stimulus, even if they endanger their and other people's lives. The article states that New York, especially Manhattan, shows widespread movement throughout the month of March. Following New York Governor Cuomo's stay-at-home order, cell phones in the area were seen moving across not only the entire country, but throughout the world. Well, all I can say is, thank you, self-centered assholes. How many lives have you affected because of your selfish impulses? Another take from the article is, if you carry a cell phone, you can and will be tracked. That's just in case you selfish jerks didn't know. Enough said. Oh, just in. President Trump is considering an enforced, get that, enforced mandatory quarantine of New York and the surrounding areas. Gee, I wonder why. My tech news feeds were mainly about the possible delay of the iPhone 12 and the release of the Google-less Huawei P40. I have already covered the delay of the iPhone 12 in previous episodes, and I could give two craps about the Huawei P40. It's hard to find interesting tech news amidst the avalanche of the coronavirus pandemic. And now the self-indulgent part of the episode. Tech I'm using. The so-called experts of podcasting say that as long as your audio is clean, listeners won't know the difference between microphones and other equipment. Well, this may be true, but the podcaster himself can tell a difference. And there lies the opening to the rabbit hole of audio gear for podcasters. When upgrading microphones and other equipment, I usually ask family members to tell me if they have heard any differences between each mic. None of them really do, so I guess the experts are on to something. I went from a Samson QTU, which is a fairly cheap USB mic, to a Rode Procaster, and my family did hear a difference, but they all reported that they didn't hear much of one. I then went to an Electrovoice EV320 and expected my listeners and family to report a huge improvement. None did, and some liked the sound of the Procaster better. This was frustrating to me. Why, you may ask? Because I could hear a big difference in my headphones. 
This disparity occurs because once you export the original audio file and upload it to your host, the file is converted into an MP3 file, which has an effect on the quality of the audio. Enter signal processing. A lot of podcasters process their audio files with software plugins during the editing phase. When you hear the term processed in post, that's what they are talking about. Well, I don't have the experience nor the time to spend hours adjusting the sound during editing. I also don't have the patience. In the old days, you had to do processing during the recording with outboard electronics like equalizers, compressors, etc. For me, doing, doing it old school makes more sense. It saves time in the frustrating, at least to me, editing phase of podcasting. A little background. I was exposed to this back in the so-called day. In the late 1970s, and I don't remember how I initially got onto it, I purchased a little box made by a company called DBX. All it had on the front panel was an on-off button, one yellow, one red light, one small knob, and one large knob that dominated the front of the panel. The small knob was for controlling compression speed while the large knob either compressed or expanded at different levels. The theory of DBX was that music was recorded with compression to even out the sound. If you could expand that audio while playing back, you would increase the dynamic range, thus improving the audio of your listening experience. Man, a lot of mumbo-jumbo, right? Plus, this seemingly simple little box cost 89 U.S. dollars back in 1978. Not cheap, especially for a low-ranking GI like myself. The reason I even purchased this unit was because I heard a demonstration of it in action, and I was impressed. You inserted this box between your stereo's inputs and outputs. When you played back an audio source you would use the expander. While recording a source, you would use the compressor. Eventually, DBX processing came standard with a few high-end cassette decks, such as the Yamaha model I had. It blew away the Dolby encoding, which was the standard of the day. Why this little obscure history lesson? Well, DBX is still in business and widely used by studios and podcasters. I had already received as gifts for Christmas two Behringer units to improve my audio recordings. The Behringers are low cost and for musicians on a budget, they can't be beat. For simp podcasters such as myself, they can get complicated and frustrating to use. For example, as I said last episode, I finally inserted the units into my audio chain. It wasn't until earlier this week that I achieved a sound that was good enough for my listeners, I considered, and myself. That same day, the DBX-286S I had ordered arrived. Talk about timing. 
The DBX286S has a better build quality than the Behringer units and runs a lot cooler also. I can literally, literally <laughs> fry eggs on the top of the Behringers while they are in use. The DBX basically takes the place of what it took two Behringer units to do, albeit with some compromises. The DBX unit is much simpler to get up and running. The preamp is much better in this unit. I don't have to turn the gain knob on my audio interface up at all. It stays set at zero. With the Behringer preamp, I had to have the gain set at 11 o'clock to get a loud enough signal into my computer. The noise gate is so superior to the Behringer equivalent, it's worth buying the DBX just for that function. The enhancer section, though very simple, works better than the other units also. Things I don't like about the DBX286S compared to the Behringer units are there is no on-off switch. That's right, you either have to unplug it or have it plugged into a power strip. I don't know the reason for this omission. The DBX only has one microphone input-output compared to the Behringer. You would have to buy another 286S or a much more expensive model if you have more than one person on your podcast. If your audio interface doesn't have a TSR jack, you have to buy a TSR to XLR cable. Now, as far as the sound, the DBX286S is cleaner and more natural sounding compared to the Behringer units I was using, but and there's always a but. I like the way I had the Behringers dialed in. I sound like the radio announcers of Yore. Kind of a vintage sound, though it did also sound like I had a slight cold. Those old guys on the radio of my youth did too, I guess. I'm using the DBX to record this very episode. You can tell me if it's an improvement or not. All right, enough of that, I guess, right? Hope you guys didn't fall asleep. And now it's time for entertainment news. That's right. This is the part of the show where we check in with those self-indulgent people who like to call themselves celebrities. From CheatSheet.com comes the headline. Madonna fans wonder if she's all right after she posts videos on coronavirus quarantine. Upon reading this headline, I knew exactly where this story was going. From the article, Madonna is one of the famous faces jumping on social media to connect with her fans but some of her posts are causing her followers to ask questions and others to slam her. The pop singer shared a video on Instagram and Twitter that shows her sitting in a milky bathwater with flower petals floating around her. With her knees folded towards her bejeweled chest, Madonna speaks about coronavirus. Oh, goody. I can't wait to hear her take on this, said no one. The article continues. There's music playing in the background. 
as she talks about the virus being the great equalizer. She then says, quote, That's the thing about COVID-19. It doesn't care about how rich you are, where you live, how famous you are, how funny you are, how smart you are, where you live, how old you are, what amazing stories you can tell. It's the great equalizer. And what's terrible about it is what's great about it. Hmm. All I can say about that quote is, huh? It goes on. What's terrible about it is it's made us all equal in many ways. And what's wonderful about it is that it's made us all equal in many ways. I'll quote Jack Nicholson from the movie The Shining in the scene where he's sitting at the empty hotel bar conversing with the demon bartender Lloyd. His wife runs in and interrupts him, yelling, There is a strange woman in the hotel who has hurt Danny. Jack, looking confused, says, What the fuck are you talking about? I'm sure she thinks she is imparting words of wisdom just like Lloyd did at the bar, but she's just coming off like the privileged, out-of-touch woman she is. It also sounds like she's scared shitless, and she should be. This virus has been infecting all people, not just the peasants like us. And with her lifestyle over the years, I'm sure she has more than one underlying condition. It must be difficult for attention whores to isolate themselves. Hence all the wacky postings to social media, media we've been seeing. But, she continued, she later posted a video of herself singing into a hairbrush a song about eating fish to the melody of her hit song, Vogue. Is she trying to tell us something? Folks, this is a 61-year-old woman, and judging by the pictures that accompanied the article, that despite all the work she's had done, she looks every minute of that age. Isn't she supposed to be calming her fans in this time of uncertainty? Way to show that elder wisdom. I'll sum this up with a joke. What does the Suez Canal and Madonna have in common? They are both busy ditches. Think on that one. You'll get it. Next headline is from the BBC. Coronavirus. Harvey Weinstein. Test positive. Well, at least something is positive lately for the godfather of the hashtag MeToo movement. The infection couldn't have come at a more opportune time for him. He might just make it out of jail somewhat sooner than anybody thought. Also from the BBC. Headline, How Marsha Hunt Fought Hollywood Blacklisting. I'll just give a summary of this sympathetic excuse of an article. The woman in question had a great career going, starring, starring in over 40 film, films until out of nowhere, she was investigated for being a communist. Why, she didn't even know what a communist was. That's according to the poor, frail, now 102-year-old woman. It's true. Only the good die young. This naive woman thought 
that the Communist Party was a legal party, which it wasn't, and I quote, people had the right to join the damn thing if they wanted to, unquote. She joined forces with some famous actors, more famous actors than herself, to lobby Washington on behalf of the Hollywood Ten, ten actors that had proven ties to the Soviet Union. But she was the only one singled out for blacklisting. Hmm, I wonder why. She goes on to complain that Hollywood at that time was very right-wing. Oh, no. She wants to educate the younger people who know little about the blacklist and hopes it never happens again in America. But how can you ever be sure? She pontificates. Here's my take. Until I see video of this interview, I'm calling bullshit. The woman is 102 years old. She probably probably doesn't even remember who she is or was. I mean, look at Madonna's ramblings on social media I just covered. And she's 41 years younger. No way she articulated all that without being coached and led on by the reporter. Here is my problem with this article and the BBC in general. It's a thinly disguised hit piece on the USA, like many other articles from this once great news outlet. Also, no real context is given. Just that she was a victim. Sound familiar? Well, there is a little, just a little more to the story. During World War II, the Soviet Union and the United States were allies against the Nazis of Germany. The Soviets used this access to infiltrate the U.S. government, military, intelligence services, and entertainment industry. The Soviets were the masters of this, as they are now, even though they're not Soviets anymore. At the time, and until 1955, there was a very secret U.S. intelligence service called The Pond. It was led by John Grombach, who was the one supplying the names of communist infiltrators based on information from Soviet agents they had recruited. Grombach and the Pond were in competition with the CIA to be the top intel organization in the U.S., the Pond lost because the CIA, who itself had been infiltrated by the Soviets, falsely discredited that organization. In 2001, the files of the Pond were found, and most are still classified. Look this up if you doubt me. So, if the subject of this article, Marsha Hunt, was under investigation, it was because she was implicated by the Soviet agents that the pond used as sources. Years later, when the Soviet Union fell, the KGB archives proved that Grombach and the pond were right. I bet you didn't see the story going in this direction, did you? Oh, Marsha Hunt was the wife of the late Mike Hunt. Just couldn't let that opportunity pass, folks. Most of the other entertainment news that was uh, non-coronavirus seemed to be about the television show Grey's Anatomy, which I have never watched. So I did not have an interest in that.
This week we have a little podcast news. Very little. Podcasting's most crowded genres are religion, society, and culture, according to an article on InsideRadio.com. And here I thought tech and true crime were the dominant genres. That's why nobody pays me to think. RainNews.com reports that Google Podcasts, the formerly Don't Be Evil Company's podcast listening app, is available with an updated look on iOS. I think I'll skip it. I give enough data away already. Also from Rain News, the avalanche of coronavirus podcasts continue with over 50 new ones released so far this week alone. While legacy media continues churning them out, many of them were launched by socially distanced folks trapped at home. What a great time for podcast hosts. Although I suspect many were launched via free hosts like Anchor. We'll see how long the independent ones last. Because of the current situation, not much is happening in the world of podcasting besides the release of coronavirus podcasts. Okay, if you'd like to take a nap, come back later. Here we go again. <laughs> Next is part two of So You Want to Be a Podcaster. Last episode, I covered how to choose a topic and name for your podcast. Types of mics and how to select one that's right for you was covered also. I also covered podcast hosts, which you will need to publish your episodes. This week, I'll cover how to connect your mic to your computer and the software your machine needs to be running to record, edit, and publish your podcast. I know I said last week I'd cover audio interfaces, but if I included the subject this week, it would go on too long. I'm trying to keep the episodes shorter these days. I also forgot to mention last week that you should try and equip your microphone with what is called a pop filter. There are two kinds. One is made of foam and fits over the end of the microphone, and the other resembles a screen that sits in front of the area where you address the micro microphone. Address is a fancy way of saying the end of the microphone which you speak into. The reason for a pop filter is to negate the harsh sounds of the letter P and T. And hopefully I didn't make an example of that there. Those letters seem to make a sharp popping sound that can fatigue the listener of your recording. Hence the name pop filter. Some swear by the screen versions while some prefer the foam ones. I use the foam pop filter and if you purchase the Samsung Q2U, which I told you about last episode, it is supplied with one. Some experienced podcasters don't even use a pop filter and instead rely on microphone technique, which you can look up yourself. How you connect the mic to your computer depends on what kind of connector your mic has. Some connect via a USB cable, some connect via an XLR cable, while some like the Samsung QTU can connect either way. The USB type just plugs into the jack on the back of your computer or on the side, all depends what kind of computer you're using. Mics that utilize an XLR 
cable will require what is called an audio interface, or as some call it, a sound card. More on the XLR to audio interface next episode. To start recording your show and to later edit and publish it, you require a piece of software called a DAW, D-A-W, which stands for Digital Audio Workstation. If you use a Apple Mac computer, a DAW or DAW comes standard with it. It's called GarageBand. It's slick and pretty powerful. If you use the Windows operating system, you have to download a DAW. Audacity is an open source piece of software that is free. Audacity also has a version for the Mac if you don't want to use GarageBand. There are many other DAW-type software available from various price points and subscription models, but we're trying to keep it simple here. Note, if you are going to use Anchor for your host, the service has its own limited software either in its standalone app or on its web page. You can even use your cell phone or computer's built-in microphone to record your podcast, but... uh, Don't expect any great editing tools or for the audio to sound as good as using an external microphone. Mics that connect via a USB cable have a built-in preamp and headphone jack. Why a headphone jack? Because you will need headphones to monitor your voice while recording. I recommend headphones like the Audio-Technica ATH-M20X, which currently sell for $49 on Amazon. This is what I use, and I can tell you that they feature a flat sound, which is what you want while recording. They are, I feel, the best bang for the buck. So you plug in your mic using a USB cable and then open the DAW. Go to the settings and open up the input output source section. Your microphone should show up in the list of sources, so you would select that. Different operating systems may require you to do the same in their settings also. Once this is done, you're ready to record. I'm not going into specifics here, so you'll have to figure out the correct settings on your own. I find the drawback to USB mics is that the audio quality and volume levels won't be as good or as flexible as mics that connect via XLR cables. You also won't be able to connect external processors into what is called the audio chain. I didn't care for the quality of my audio using the USB method, especially the volume level. I found it too low. Of course, you can adjust this in your DAW, but still, overall, the audio will sound better with XLR. Next is story time. As I promised in the intro, I have a ghost story for you. And forget about what I said about trying to keep my podcast under 30 minutes. That ain't happening. Well, here we go. I heard this story when I was a very young child, probably around five or six years old. It was told in the kitchen of my grandmother's apartment in an old so-called tenement-type building 
that was prob- probably already over 100 years old at the time. It's located on Columbus Avenue and 86th Street on the Upper West Side of Manhattan, New York, a block away from the Museum of Natural History and Central Park. My grandmother's family had lived there since immigrating from Hamburg, Germany in the 1860s. My grandmother and her siblings were born in that apartment, and my great-grandmother died in that very apartment. The place hadn't been updated yet, and it still had the gaslight fixtures, a boarded-up fireplace, and what remained of a dumbwaiter. Look that up if you don't know what a dumbwaiter is, or was. I actually saw it in action as a child. The neighborhood back then had turned into a ghetto with every kind of criminal freak and criminal freak imaginable living around there. Nowadays, you'd have to be a millionaire to live there. Anyhow, I'm just giving you a description of what the state of most of the apartment buildings were at that time in the 1960s. That's because the story took place at an old friend of my grandmother's apartment, which was kind of like the same thing. To you, it might not be so scary, but at the age I was when I heard the story, it scared the heck out of me. I've told it to my children, though they were not as young as I when I first heard it. The story was not intended to be heard by me, but I was eavesdropping on the grown-up's hushed conversation in the kitchen by standing just inside the hallway where the bedrooms were located, parallel to the kitchen. My father was the intended recipient. It went something like this. My grandmother was alerted that one of her old friends and former co-worker was in the hospital. The friend lived a few city blocks away on Amsterdam Avenue. Upon visiting her in the hospital, she found her friend lying in bed in extreme pain from a severe outbreak of shingles on her face. She was glad to see my grandmother and told her how she had wound up in her current state. The woman was a widow and lived alone. And one early evening, she arrived home and noticed a strange man lingering near the entrance of her building. He was very tall and thin and dressed in old-time clothes and was wearing, of all things, a top hat. One of his hands held a walking stick. Acknowledging her by tipping his hat and smiling, she noticed that his teeth appeared to be rotted. Hurrying into the entrance and up to her apartment, she just wrote him off as one of the many strange people that had taken over, taken over the neighborhood as of late. After making and eating some food, she sat down on a chair in her living room and dozed off. She dreamed of seeing a detached hand holding what appeared to be a ball of mud in front of her face. A voice said, wake up, and threw the ball into her face, and it felt cold. She woke up with a start and decided it was time to retire to her bedroom for the evening. She drifted off to sleep, but after a time, she was awoken by what appeared to be sounds of a party going on in her living room. She heard music, conversations, and laughter. Also, the sound of glasses being clinked together as if people were toasting one another. And there was music also playing. She thought maybe she had left the radio on? When she left her bedroom to investigate, the sounds she heard just stopped. But what she saw in her living room horrified her. The man she had seen earlier at the entrance to the apartment was lying over the back of her couch, his body contorted into an impossible position, 
top hat still in place on his head. He looked up at her, again tipping his hat and smiling with his rotted teeth. She ran out of the apartment, screaming, and noticed the man's walking stick leaning against a corner near the door. Once outside, dressed only in her nightgown and wearing only socks on her feet, she managed to find a policeman and told him her tale. The policeman accompanied her back to the apartment where everything appeared normal. She asked the man to stay in her living room while she dressed and both then left the apartment. The policeman probably thought she was insane, but he escorted her to an all-night restaurant and when he was sure she was situated, left her. She stayed at the restaurant until daylight and made her way back to the apartment. She contacted her local parish and requested a priest to come bless her place. The priest arrived midday and he did bless the place. After the priest left, she felt relieved enough to try and get some rest. She awoke the next morning feeling as if her face was on fire. Looking in the mirror, she saw her face covered in sores. Right about that time, I decided that I'd heard enough of this story and retreated back into a bedroom, frightened. Well, I hope you enjoyed that short story. Next up is a rant. Well, no rant this week. I'd just like to repeat, don't rely on social media for information or advice. Use known, reputable sources. If the host or author of these sources of information start injecting politics, stop consuming them. Any agenda-driven piece, no matter which side of the political spectrum it falls on, is an opinion-driven, not fact-driven piece and will no doubt be misleading. Check and double-check these sources against other sources. You will be better informed and able to make better and hopefully correct decisions for your family and yourself. Well, wait, I, I just can't, I just can't uh, do an episode without a rant. This is a very short one. Mexican people are blockading their side of the border. They say they want to keep U.S. citizens out to prevent the spread of coronavirus. All I'll say is, they have some big cojones. I hope after this is over, the country remembers things like this. What do you guys think? Well, episode 22 is in the can. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed doing it, and I hope you found it worthwhile. You can contact me at ofntpodcast at gmail.com you are so inclined tell me i suck and then suggest how i can improve this excuse of a show i'd love to hear from you so be safe see you next week resist the urge to panic panic has never solved anything and also remember don't listen to what they say watch what they do now, get a good fit on your mask and get off my lawn. See you later, folks. I'm out.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.